Thanks, Daniel. My name is Ron Cool, and I am one of the pastors here as well, and I want to <clears throat> join the others in wishing you a very blessed and, and happy new year, um, and, and I just pray that God blesses you in, in the coming year. Some people dream of being Michael Jordan, others Marcus Mariota, others Ronaldo. I want to be S.L. Lockridge. He is my king. Uh, do you know him? But I'm not. <laughs> And so I, I love that, that, that picture, uh, the way he paints that and so on. And we, we've been doing that. We've been looking at, at who God is and, and, and how God is at work in our lives. And this morning I want to begin with, with talking about one of the most common commands that there is in the Bible. It's not the command not to commit adultery, not to not steal or cheat or lie or tell the truth. They're all in the Bible and they're repeated in the Bible. But I think probably more than any of those, and one of the most common commands that we get in the Bible is this command. Remember, Right? Remember, God says to us, remember who I am. Remember what I have done. Remember who you are. Remember where you failed. Remember where I have led you. Remember, remember, remember time and time again. Let me just give you several examples. There are so many of them. When we face enemies, when we find ourselves facing challenges that are over our head, we think of Deuteronomy 7.18. It says this, but do not be afraid of them. What do we do? Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt, right? Remember what God did. When we are in difficulty, remember that God defeated Pharaoh, that God defeated the most powerful army in the world, that God is that. Remember that. When we are struggling, when when we're dealing with depression, when we're dealing with sadness, when when we're just broken by the world, Psalm 42, verse 6, my soul is downcast within me, therefore I will, what? Remember. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of the Hermon, the, from, from Mount Mazar. These are places of struggle for this psalmist. He wants to be in Jerusalem, but he's not there. So what does he do? He remembers, I will remember you, God. When I feel like you're not here, I will remember you. When we're tempted to think we don't need God, when things are going well for us and, and we feel like, you know what, I, I can do this on my own. I did it my way. I did it myself. When we're tempted to think we don't need God, back to Deuteronomy 8, it says this, But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Remember, right? You think you did this on your own? Remember that it's God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. When we're tempted to worship the wrong things, when we're tempted to worship our status or our stuff or or our our, our own possessions and, 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 and so on, we remember when God's people worship the golden calf. And God came and was angry, and they experienced a lot of sickness and brokenness. Remember this and never forget, kind of a double command there, how you aroused the anger of the Lord your God in the wilderness. From the day you left Egypt until you arrived here, you have been rebellious against the Lord. When we are young, right, remember your creator. Ecclesiastes 12, remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble came, come in and in the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Jesus calls us to remember. He calls us when he gives us the last supper. He says this, and he took bread and he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Isaiah calls us to remember. 44 verse 21 remember these things Jacob for you Israel are my servant remember that I have made you remember that you are my servant Israel remember I will not forget you remember 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 46 verse 9 remember the former things those of long ago I am God and there is no other I am God there is none like me we could go on and on and on 
one of the most common commands in the Bible is to remember. Remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. Remember who you are. Remember God's faithfulness. Remember, remember, remember. In the songs that we were singing already, we were called to remember a number of things. Which is why I was so interested when I came to Isaiah 43. What about Isaiah 43? What about what God says there to his people in Isaiah 43? Before we get to it, let me again just kind of remind you, and maybe for the first time, for those of you who are here for the first time, uh, Isaiah's writing this book, Isaiah, uh, you know, there are 66 chapters, and, and we said starting in chapter 40, Isaiah, who's writing probably around 700, is actually looking way ahead. He's looking 115 years down the road at least because what's happening in in 586, the people of Israel are brought into exile. The nation of Judah is there. And and, and we talked about this, how how, how they were brought into Babylon and and there were a remnant there. And and, and Isaiah is, is back here in 700 and he's seeing these people in exile. And he's speaking to them. And we talked about how God, uh, through Isaiah, brings words of comfort to them. How God says, I am the shepherd who will come and hold you and I'll take care of you and I'll bring you back home. And, and, and Isaiah is speaking to the people in that situation. And, 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 and there are a number of places. We read a couple of them in that section where Isaiah says, you know what, remember that, that, that God's people have been here before. And this isn't the first time God's people have been away from the land. Uh, uh, 800 years earlier or so, somewhere around there, they had been in Egypt, all right? They had been in Egypt, and, and probably more than anything else in the Old Testament, around 1400 B.C. or so, this is what the people of God are called to remember, what we call the Exodus. When God was active, when God brought his people out of, out of Egypt, when God brought his people out of there, when, when, when God set Pharaoh down and he, and, and he brought them to the edge of the, of the Reed Sea or the Red Sea, not exactly sure what, what that is, but, but God brought them there. And, and some of you remember that. Some of you have just seen the movie. If you have and you really liked it, let me know. If you didn't, let me know because I haven't seen it yet. But, but they get to the edge of the, of the Red Sea, the Sea of Reeds, and, and, and God pushes back the, the waters, right? So that the people of Israel can go through on dry land. Remember this. Time and time again, the Old Testament says, remember this. And then, and then remember how God, how God, when the chariots of, of Pharaoh and, and his armies were there, how God released the waters and, and they swallowed up the people, all right? And, and, and then how God led his people across there and they wandered in the desert for 40 years and then he brought them into the promised land, okay? And, and that's where they became the people of God. Again, time and time again, Deuteronomy 5, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, right? Remember, remember, remember. And we expect Isaiah to say the same thing in 43. I mean, this is just fascinating what he does. All right, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. It's talking about the Exodus, right? He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who separated those things out, and and who made a way for his people to go through, and then who swallowed up his enemies, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick, right? Right? Okay, he's talking about the Exodus. He says, this is what God said. You know the one, the one who made a way for his people. And, and again, you know, these people are in exile and they're here and they're Babylon and say, okay, God is the one who did that, right? God is the one who, who brought his people out of there. And we expect that the next word we're going to read is remember, okay? Don't give up, but remember, remember. Which is why it's so fascinating that that's not the next word. Because when we go to verse 18, the next word is Forget forget. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. 
I mean, it's just fascinating to me the way, the way that, that Isaiah does this. He says, this is what the Lord said. You know, the one, the one who parted the waters, the one who swallowed up his enemy. Let, let me forget about that. Do you remember? Just forget about it, okay? Forget about those things of the past. Don't dwell on the past. Forget about the former things. Just forget about it. And you say, time out, Isaiah. Chapter 44, you tell us to remember. 46, remember the old things, the things of old, the former things. Are we supposed to remember or are we supposed to forget? Well, obviously, sometimes we remember, but sometimes we need to forget. Sometimes God's word to us is his people, forget the former things. Because sometimes remembering can cause a problem. Sometimes remembering isn't a good thing. And and I want to take a couple of minutes now to just kind of think about when is that? When when is remembering a bad thing? When, When does God want to say to us, hey, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the things of the past. Don't don't live in the past. When is it when when shouldn't we remember? And and I've got three that are all kind of related to each other. And, and it's the third one, I think, that, that brings them together and brings us to what Isaiah is going to be telling us about why we have to forget and so on. But the first one is this. Our remembering is a bad thing when in our remembering we focus on someone or something other than God. See, the scriptural command is to remember what God has done, to remember who God is, to remember. And and when it talks about us, usually it's remember your failures. Remember how you blew it and how God rescued you. But but what we tend to do sometimes in our memories is is we remember the past with an unhealthy nostalgia. Oh, do you remember that preacher? Oh, do you remember that worship service? Oh, do you remember what God did there? And and, and what we focus on are are not what God did, but we, we focus on what a person did. And that person was great. You know, that practice was great. I used to love it when we did that. And, and, and we have this sense that, that kind of says, you know, remember the good old days? We just need to get back to what we did then. We just need to get back to what we did then. I imagine the, the, the people in exile, and I could hear some of them saying, you know what we need? We need a preacher like Moses. Now, they say he stuttered, but man, that guy could preach. That guy could preach. I mean, we need a leader like Moses. I mean, he went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And we need somebody like Moses. That's what we need. We we got no good leaders. We got no good preachers in our day. No, we don't need Moses. We need God, you see? But sometimes what we remember is Moses, not God. Sometimes what we remember is the preacher, not God. We remember the the preacher, not the message. And and, and when God, when we just kind of say, oh yeah, we need a preacher like that. We, we, We need it like it used to be. That might be a time that God is saying, forget that. Because I'm not a God of the past. Yeah, I was there, but I'm not just there. For, for, we need a preacher like Moses. We need a worship leader like David or Asaph, right? I mean, those guys, they knew music. And these new songs, they just don't cut it. I mean, we need a, a worship leader, even like Miriam, right? I mean, Miriam, she wrote that song after the Exodus. And, and man, wait, man wait, I mean, I will turn unto the Lord for he will triumph gloriously. Horse and rider thrown into the sea. Hey, that was worship, you know? That was worship. And when we sang that song, that was worship. And we need more songs like that. These new songs, they're just no good. And, 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 and we say, no, we need God. But what we say is we need that style. We need that technique. And that's when God says, forget about it. Forget the former things. It wasn't the style. It wasn't the technique. It wasn't the beat of the song. It was me. Forget the former things when they become the focus of our, of our attention. We need a building like the temple. That's what we need. 
We, we got no temple here. We, you get the idea, right? I mean, sometimes we can live in the past in such a way that all we say is what we need are those things. We, we focus on the people that God used, not on the God who used them. We focus on the techniques that God used, not on the God who used those techniques. And I think that's when God says, forget about it. Don't get all caught up in that. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's, I, I like, you know, other I lo- you know, take my life and let it be. I love singing that this morning. It's not wrong to like to sing those songs, okay? I, I, I'm not, it's not that. But, but when we start to say, that's all we need. When we start to say, that, that's, that's it. Because that, God only works when we sing these songs. God only works when we preach this way. God only works when we, No. Because then we're focusing on something some, or someone other than God. That's, that's the first problem. When in our remembering, we focus on someone or something other than God. The second problem that I think with remembering, or remembering is a bad thing. When in our remembering, we believe that God won't do anything today. You know, there's that unhealthy nostalgia that says, oh, I remember the past, and, I, and all we've got to do is repeat that. But there's another one that says, yeah, I remember what God did then, but he's not going to do anything today. He's not going to do anything. That's not, God, God doesn't do anything in our lives. God doesn't, yeah, we remember because God isn't active today. And, and, and sometimes maybe you find yourself saying something like this. Uh, you know, the world is just getting worse and worse. God won't step into this mess. You know, God's just got his hands back. I, you know, I, I see what God did in the past. I see that God was active in our nation in the past, but not in our anymore because God just didn't, he's not stepping into this mess. God is just, Hands off, and, and he's done with it. God, God is done with it. We, we're just, you know, those people in, in Egypt, yeah, God, they, they cried out to God. But in Babylon here, we're not crying out to God. His culture is just too bad. And, and, and so we do that, and we say, God won't step in this mess. Those days are never going to return. So first, when we're in our remembering, we focus on someone or something other than God. Second, when in our remembering, we believe that God won't do anything today, it's bad. And then third, and this is really the one that, that brings them together, it's when in our remembering, we miss what God is doing today. When in our remembering, we miss what God is doing today. We are so focused on what God did 2,000 years ago, and, and again, he did the most amazing thing in the world through Jesus Christ. Don't get me wrong, but we become so focused on that's what he did then, what, we did, what he did 100 years ago, what he did 50. We don't see that God is still active today. We, we don't see it. We're so busy. We're so living in the past that we can't see what God is doing today. And that's when God says, well, then forget the former things. For, forget the former things. Sometimes we put God in a box when we lock God into what he has done, we say the only way that God can act is, is, is to do the same thing he did in the past. The only way that, that God can rescue his people is he raises up a leader like Moses, and that Moses goes talk to Pharaoh, so he's got to raise up somebody, go talk to the, the uh, Assyrian king or the Persian king, whatever it is, but he's got he's to do it the same way. And so we, we put God in a box. And, and, and really difficultly, we're sure we know what and who God likes and doesn't like. And we miss what God is doing today. We miss what God is doing today because we've got God in a box. We know that God likes these people and he doesn't like these people. We know that God approves of this and doesn't approve of that. And we end up missing what God is doing today. So those three things. Remembering is a bad thing. When in our memory, remembering we focus on someone or something other than God. When in our remembering we believe that God won't do anything today. And when in our remembering we miss what God is doing today. Forget the former things. Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. Why? Why? Because I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. 
Do you not perceive it? I am doing a new thing. God says, you know what? You've got to let go of the past because I am a God of today. You've got to let go of what was done because I am a God who does a new thing. I am a God who, who, who is alive and active. Our God is a God. When we think about what we learn about God, our God is a God who does new things. And that is amazing. That is amazing. As, as C.S. Lewis says so well in his Narnia Chronicles, you know, th- that God is like Aslan, the lion. And he's not safe. And he's not tame. And you can't put him in a cage. He's good. The past tells us that, we remember, but he's not safe and we don't get to put God in a box. We don't get to put him in a cage. Our God is a God who does new things. Our God is a God who is alive and active today. Our God is a God and we need to be people who are open to what God is doing today. We need to recognize that God still does new things today, that God is still alive and active today. And we don't just talk about what God did 10 years ago. We don't just talk about what God did 2,000 years ago. We say, God, you are alive and active today. And so we remember what God has done in the past, but we do not live in the past. We remember what God has done in the past, but we do not live in the past. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Forget the former things because I am doing a new thing. Our God is a God who does new things. Our God is a God. That's the heart of what I want to say to you. Our God is a God. Now, I want to say two things about that. I want to say two things about that with the time we have left. The first one is this. This can be a little bit scary. The fact is, for me, it's a lot scary. This is a part of Isaiah I just as soon skip. And, 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 and some of you, it's like, this is cool, this is exciting. For me, no, you know what? I'm going to say we here, but maybe it's just me. But we like predictability. We like routine, right? Don't you like to know how things go? Don't you like to know where it fits? And if God is a God who does new things, then we have to be open to whatever, and things might change. This, I, I love the holidays, don't get me wrong. I love Christmas. I love New Year's. I love having our kids home. It was great to see them all, but it messes me up. Because I don't know how things go. You know, I love Christmas Eve, but I had to convince myself, honestly, this is what I do. When it's Christmas Eve on on Wednesday, it was like, okay, so that means Wednesday morning needs to be Saturday morning because I need to be where I am on Saturday morning for Sunday. And so all Wednesday morning, I'm saying it's Saturday morning. It got to noon, I said, no, it's Sunday morning. And I just, I, I, I know in a normal week, I know where I need to be. I know how it goes. But when you throw, you know, and, and the kids are home and, and, and they eat at weird times, and Jake sits in my chair, and he turns on the TV and then falls asleep, and I don't know if I can change it or not. I like predictability. I don't know if you've noticed it ever before or not. I'm going to confess to my little OCD, but this thing needs to be about an inch back from this strip, okay? And that needs to be square. It's just the way you did too. Because <laughs> it bugs me if you don't set it right. Right? I mean, I, I, I like predictability. I like routine. But if God is a God who does new things, then I need to be open to that. And I need to say, God, when you need to mess up my schedule, mess up my schedule. We like to know where things are. We don't like things to be up in the air, right? I like to know this is right and this is wrong. This is good, acceptable worship, and this is not good and acceptable worship. But if our God is a God who does new things, then we have to be open to what God is doing today, right? Then we have to be open. And that scares me just a bit because I don't know. I, I, I don't want to have to evaluate everything. And yet I do have to because our God is a God who does new things. Now, not every new thing is from God. That's why it's a challenge for us, right? Right? 
It's not every new thing that's good. There are some, but I don't get to say, hey, that church's worship is crazy. There are some things going on in worship in our day that I find just really odd. But I don't get to just say, well, that's just wrong. Because maybe God is doing a new thing. Maybe God is doing a new thing. There are some preaching styles that I say, that seems odd. But I don't get to just immediately say, they might not be helpful, but, but I don't get to just dismiss them because maybe God is doing a new thing. And if God is doing a new thing, if that is who our God is, then I need to be open to that. Then I don't get to say, this is how God works. The, 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 this was such a struggle. I mean, the biggest new thing God did is through Jesus. I mean, when he was talking about, I am doing a new thing, ultimately that was Jesus Christ. Now it springs. Do you not, up, do you not perceive it? I mean, he was talking ultimately about Jesus. And, and, and the early people struggled with Jesus. The early Jewish community did. John 6 tells us a story about Jesus doing a miracle, about Jesus healing somebody who had been born blind. He'd been healing this guy, you know what I mean? He never had seen in his life, and Jesus opened up his eyes. And you'd think everybody would say, that's great, but there was one problem. He did it on the Sabbath. He did it on the Sabbath. And the people knew the word of God. Again, they weren't just trying to be stuffy. They, weren't just, they were trying to be faithful to the word of God. Exodus 20 says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you nor anybody else, nor your foreigner. Just, don't, just rest on the Sabbath. And, and, and when some of the church leaders, some of the, those who were most passionate about Scripture saw this, they said, you know, some of the Pharisees said, this, this man is not from God for it. He does not keep the Sabbath. And, and I want you to just know, this guy had been blind from birth. Jesus could have easily waited eight hours. Sundown was coming. Jesus could have just waited eight hours. But instead he messed And they're going, hold on, but the word of God says... But the word of God says, yeah, but is this a new thing? How do you know? How do you know? I mean, you want to pray for wisdom. Others asked, how can a sinner perform these signs so they were divided? God was doing a new thing. God was, because redefining things. I mean, Jesus time and time again said, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. What do we do with that today? Are there still new things God is doing? Or did he stop with Jesus? Or, or did he stop with the early church? Or did he stop in 1600? Or did he stop in 1970 or 1990 when we did sing, I will sing unto the Lord. And it was awesome, right? And bind us together. Come on, don't you want to hold hands and sway and sing, bind us together, Lord? I mean, is that 1990, 2000, 2005? When, when did he stop doing new things? When did we? It's so tough. It's so tough. And it wasn't just the Jewish people. I mean, Christians, when when Gentiles joined the church, again, the Old Testament is is full of commandments that say you are holy, you are distinct, you do not not marry with other nations, you do not get involved with other nations, you don't do those things, you keep yourself pure. But then Peter gets this vision, and he goes to, to Cornelius, and Cornelius becomes a Christian without becoming a Jew. 
And, and the church struggled with it. I mean, when Peter gets back to J- Jerusalem, the apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, man, you're not believing the word of God. You went into the house of uncircumcised men and you ate with them. You don't take scripture seriously, Peter. We know what God's word has said. And we confess that the Old Testament is God's word, right? We still believe that today. And yet, God is going to a new thing. So Peter tells him about the vision. And then he says, and, and, and again, this is, this is why it's scary. Because he says, look at the experience. Look at this. I preached and they got the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Forget the former things. See, I am doing a new thing. It's rising up. Do you not perceive it? And when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. If our God is a God who does a new thing, we have to be open to what God is doing today. And that's a little scary, right? How do we know? How do we know whether this is of God? And, 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 and again, you can say, well, it's just easy. I, I can just, I, I mean, the church has struggled with this. Think about it. I mean, in, in many pulpits uh, 200 years ago, 100 years ago, some not that long ago, but f- interracial marriage was clearly against God's will. You could be a black Christian, you could be a white Christian, but you couldn't be a white Christian married to a black Christian. I said, no, God is doing a new thing. God's not working along those racial lines like he did in the Old Testament. God is doing a new thing. And we say that was wrong. Slavery. There's no place in Scripture that says, you know, get rid of slavery. And yet we say, no, God is doing a new thing. And, 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 and so if God is doing a new thing, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? That can be a little bit scary. And I wish that I had three things that we could do to guarantee that we always get it right, but I don't. The fact is, I think we need to spend a great amount of time in prayer and, and in Scripture and in listening to each other and being able to talk and agree and disagree and say, is this a new thing from God? Is this a new thing? Where does God call us to go? How, how do we do that? And as a church, I, I, by the way, I, I don't have some agenda here. I, I you know, we're kind of right where I want us. And, and so this is preaching to me a lot. Because I don't want God to, I like what God has been doing the last few years, and I want to just keep doing that. But if God is God, and he's not tame and safe, I don't get to put him in a box. And I need to live with that awareness. This can be a little bit scary, more scary for some of us than others. But it is great news, because it is God's news. The fact is, our God is a God of new beginnings. Some of you feel completely trapped. Some of you feel completely trapped in a marriage that hasn't had life in it for years. But I tell you this, God can do a new thing in your marriage. Some of you feel trapped with a child who who has walked away from the faith. I tell you this, God can do a new thing. God, you're not stuck in the past. Our God is a God of new beginnings. Our God is a God who starts fresh. Our God is a God who keeps doing new things. And he is still active today. God is still active today. It's not like he said, okay, I got the gospel out there. Jesus is done. The church has started. Now I'm going to pull back and see. No, God is still active today. And those problems that are insurmountable to you are not insurmountable to him. 
And, and he can make all things new. He is doing a new thing, and he can do a new thing in your life. He can do a new thing in our church, and the past doesn't define us, okay? The past doesn't define us. So it is important for us to remember. But this morning, I want to remind us it's also important to forget. There are times when it is also very important for us to forget because our God is a God who does new things. And so as we look at that diamond, as we look at that facet, we think about it and we say, you know what, that God is the Holy One and that God is the broken-hearted farmer and he is the judge and he is the king and he is the shepherd and, and he is the servant and he is the suffering servant and he is Emmanuel and, and he is the one who uses us and he is also the one who does a new thing. The one who does a new thing. And so as we start the new year, the question I ask you is this. Will, be, will we be ready for whatever new thing God wants us to do and God wants to do in us? Will we say, God, you are not tame. You, you are not safe. But you are good. I, I was thinking about that when we sang, you know, here's my life, Lord. Take my life and let it be. All I have, all I am, I surrender. And I want to say, unless you're going to do a new thing, God, I like what's going on right now. But I don't get to say that. I say, God, I want to be open to whatever you want to do in my life and in this church. It doesn't mean we forget everything. And, and maybe God will continue to do what he's been doing. But we have to know that God is free to do whatever he wants to do. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you, and for some of us, this is difficult. Because if you are not safe, if you are a God who does new things, the lines aren't always as clear as we want them to be. Father, we know you don't change, so help us to know what doesn't change. We know the truth about Jesus doesn't change. Help us to know what doesn't change, but help us to know what can. Help us to know that you are a God who continues to be alive today and who does new things. And so, God, give us courage. Give us courage to trust you, to step out and to know that you make all things new. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you please stand?